Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of The Novel Brain with Dr. E. Today I'm going to be discussing whether you are biased or not, and some of the ways I can talk about this is through things that we call in psychology implicit biases and micro-invalidations. <clears throat> These are also terms um, used a little bit more sort of in organizational psychology, um, when you're having issues with another employee or maybe a um, co-worker, somebody who um, might be putting these vibes out, um, I'm going to be discussing that as well as another term called microaggressions today, so stay tuned. All right, so we're just going to jump in on this because basically we have to kind of define the terms before we start to talk about it. And, you know, being a podcast under 20 minutes, this is kind of not enough time to discuss this, but I'm going to give you the brief overview. So the skinny on implicit bias is that these are unconscious attitudes and stereotypes that people have towards marginalized groups and or POCs or people of color. Let's move into that in a minute. We're going to give another definition, which is called racial micro-invalidations. Now, this is something that you might not have heard of as much as you've heard about microaggressions, but a micro-invalidation, particularly racial ones, are those that exclude, negate, or even nullify a person of color um, and their reality. So it includes language such as, we elected our first black president to suggest that racism no longer exists. Or maybe, you might have heard this, you don't look Hispanic, or you don't look Asian. Um, another racial micro-invalidation. Just something to look out for. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about microaggressions. And these are actions such as um, you know, anything from a word, um, a statement, stares, maybe a touch that results from implicit bias, such as assuming what a student's race is. Um, a microaggression could be you know, I, hey, do you mind if I touch your hair? I've actually had that happen to me, and I didn't really know what that was. It didn't feel good, but it was definitely um, a little bit repulsive, I guess I could say. So usually you don't think that you are biased or you have any of these um, implicit biases. Maybe you don't think you have any micro-invalidations or microaggressions. However, the person receiving those does. So what I want you to think about with this whole podcast today is are you biased? And yes, in fact, you are. And you need to take a look at what, what I look at as intent versus impact. So what you thought you were doing is your intent. And that is versus how that action was perceived by the other person, which is the impact. <clears throat> so many of us might have thought, uh, as I mentioned that, intent versus impact, that you might be thinking... Did I just stick my foot in my mouth? And if you did, that means you not only didn't think of your intent, you probably had a major negative impact on the person receiving that microaggression, microinvalidation, or some kind of unconscious attitude in the event of your implicit bias. So some of these can be a stare. I remember when I used to ride a Chicago subway, at, you know, it was the L, uh, elevated train in, in, um, in the loop. And Chicago is a very multicultural um, environment and a huge city. And oftentimes you'd get people coming from O'Hare 
just grasping their suitcases if they sat next to me. A POC male, you know, maybe it was a late flight for me even coming in from New York or somewhere else. But just that grasping of your suitcase is an indication that you fear me. Um, you know, a doctor of psychology, late at night. I get it. The context is I could get robbed. But what you're doing is you're kind of putting off a vibe. And you might have the right intent, but you don't realize the impact. And the impact is absolutely offensive even. Um, you know, we don't know what's in front of us. We hardly know ourselves, folks. And so that's what this comes down to. Why don't we check our biases? And, that, and that's something I think everyone on the planet could benefit from. You know, if we don't think we have any biases, we are 100% wrong. So let's take this a different level. What are impacts of, say, a microaggression? Well, the other person's going to have a diminished self-confidence, some kind of maybe negative or poor self-image. It could lead to depression, anxiety, and even traumatizing to that individual if occurring over a long period of time with enough severity. And say, for example, this individual is you know, a new immigrant to the United States or trying to work towards their immigrant status and they're having difficulties because of a lot of things, the way that they're bringing in their cultural means and, and norms and, and, and bringing those into uh, a United States sort of westernized society. They may have diminished self-confidence and you can tell by a person's posture, you can tell by a person's approach. So what we want to do is try to Remember that we give off microaggressions whether we think we are or not based on our implicit biases. Now let's also talk about these microaggressions um, such as expressions that affect people with disabilities. I work with many, many young individuals with disabilities, ages 2 to 21. And I've heard things said that are really off color. But also, I've heard things, and actually, I'm going to talk about that terminology, off-color. That's actually a microaggression, because off-color would assume potentially a different color. That's not what we think as of the norm. It might be still white in America today. Um, you could argue that white's not a color, but it is. It's, the, it's a color based on the spectrum. It's all the colors. But that is a microaggression. I just used one myself, and I just caught myself in real time. Here are the ones that I was actually going to talk about, like, for example, turning a blind eye or falling on deaf ears. You might have heard people say, did I stutter? And you know what? If you are not into this PC thing and you're going to sit back on your armchair and say, oh, well, screw that. I don't have to watch what I say. Well, you know, you're kind of, I'm just going to go out there and say this. You're irresponsible. So yeah, you want to say whatever the hell you want to say because of freedom of speech, but you're just going to hurt people. And that's the kind of person I don't really want to be around. So just watch what you say. I don't think other people want to be around you either. Maybe they might laugh with you and chuckle, and then they might walk away and say, hey, what was that person's problem? They could say anything they want. Yeah, you might want to respect that, but look what happened to our last president. I don't think I ever respected that human being while he was not president because of the things he say were so trashy. Um, I don't care. Freedom of speech. America. Yeah, well, that's not what was intended, homeboy. There you go. Homeboy. There's another possible microaggression, but not directed at Donald Trump. But if I were to say homeboy to somebody, you know, I might be implying that they live 
in a sort of, uh, I don't know, b-boy environment. I'm not saying you got to watch everything you say. I do like the term homeboy. I don't know. I'm the 80s kid that, that remembers the b-boy population. I don't know. If you want to refer to that, go look up Style Wars or break dance movies from the 80s. Refresh your memory, if you will. So I'm just here to tell you about this intent versus impact. This is the stuff where it matters the most. Where it matters the most is your intent. If you do intend right, and then the impact you notice, and you will notice almost immediately, that your implicit bias and your statements of microaggression or microinvalidation have now been recognized by the other person. And what you can do is one of the seven ways to reduce these implicit biases. You could apologize, and I'll get to that. Let's talk about what you can do. First, you can take a minute to breathe, gather your thoughts, stop. Stop what you're saying. Don't continue. You've now just jolted another person's reality, and you're going to recognize that in their face, their actions, their behaviors towards you. Most people don't really want to put you down for what could be considered an ignorance, but what they might do is just ignore you. So stop and think what you've done. You can reflect on your intent, and then think. Is what you're about to say or going to say offend someone? Will it uphold the respect and dignity of them? Are you going to offend somebody or are you going to perhaps add to their lives? If you're not going to be adding any value to any conversation and you have curiosities about things, for example, where are you from? When I was in the South, I think I was 28 when I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina. I don't know. I was a different person, but I was also very intuitive person and I remember thinking this is not <laughs> home this is a different place it's home but it's a different home it's casually people would drop all kinds of things I remember crossing the state line into the Waffle House the time I was with my girlfriend um, and we were driving needed some food got out of my car which was a slammed black prelude 1980. I'm sorry, 91. For those of you who respect that, thank you so much. I will not talk about that car again, but however, it did look like I was from outer space pulling in. I'm a POC male. I wasn't thinking of that. She's Caucasian female. And I recall the minute I got out of my car, a pickup truck, which is not always a bad, a bad sign, but in this instance it was, Hey, boy, where are you from? So I got not just microaggressions, where are you from, but hey, boy. You know, I'm a 28-year-old man. This is many decades ago here now, guys, but what was I to do with that other than Chicago, Illinois? And those two answers were not enough. No, no, really, buddy, what, where are you from, man? Oh, well, I was born in Minneapolis. Okay, I don't need to know where you're born, boy. Where are you from? Well, why don't we just talk about how you can think about how to ask that question. Hey, I'm interested in knowing about you. What's your ethnicity? What's your uh, background? Where are you from? Where are your parents from? Not this whole, where are you from, boy? So how did I react? Probably not very happily. But I pretty much went in peace into the Waffle House and thought, Oh, Jesus, am I going to be living in this for the next decade? And I did. More on that later. So then after you stop and after you think, you're going to reply. You're going to respond with the impact 
the words or actions that will have a positive impact for people. You know, anything you do and anything you say has been observed or witnessed by somebody else and make sure that's a positive impact, a positive observation, a positive witness of your behavior. I have to do this every day and I love that. I have kids to kind of keep me in check on that and I do think about my impact not only on them but on society and everybody I come across every day. After you stop, after you think, after you reply, I want you to think about doing better. So if you make a mistake with your intent, you could have the best intent in the world, but you just it didn't come off right and then something got in there and it impacted the other individual negatively. Say you're sorry. Say you understand what you said made the other person feel a particular way and that you're going to try and continue to do better so it doesn't happen again. That is a huge, huge turning point for the other person. Because now they're not necessarily just going to ignore you. They're going to say, hey, thanks. Thank you for recognizing that you just had the intent, but you didn't, you didn't come off right, pal. And then after you do this, uh, this action, I want you to learn more. Do the research about POCs. Um, do the research about marginalized groups in the United States and all across the world. So that if you travel, you'll also know what the marginalized groups are in every different country or city that you go to. Um, these are the things that want you to do with implicit bias. There's also training on implicit bias and more and more in, in, in different, uh, I live outside of DC, I'm in the DMV area. Um, while I was living in DC, I knew so many people who were working in equity roles in within their organization or maybe their NGO or NPOs, which are um, all over the place. And I think it's really great to have that officer. You can have a chief executive officer you can have a chief uh, information officer, a chief human resources officer. Well, why not have a chief equity officer? This is where we are today, and this is where we need to continue to go. The other way is the wrong direction. The other way that tightens it up and says, no, we are not going to recognize other people outside of this very narrow mean of a society. We're going to stay within our lane and not worry about POC or... Uh, we're not going to worry about these pronouns. Well, you know, what ultimately happens with groups or organizations of that sort is they marginalize themselves because now they're not really getting on board with what really should happen, which is called, in one word, respect. We all want to be respected. And if all of a sudden you woke up out of a nightmare one night and say you're Caucasian and you are an ally for POCs and marginalized populations, but what happens if you're in that nightmare and you have been maybe the marginalized for your entire life, and you're now, say, 50 years old, and you wake up, and all of a sudden the world has changed, and you're now the minority, which, by the way, folks, is coming in America. Just get used to it. And if you don't like this part of the podcast, I'm sorry, but that's reality. People have moved here for all different reasons, for prosperity, for freedom, the same reason you or your ancestors have also moved to this country. I've come to terms with it. I'm here for freedom as well. But I want my freedom of space away from people who degrade and decide to disrespect others. One of the ways I can do that is with implicit bias training. After you stop, after you think, after you reply, then you do better, you learn more, now it's time to practice. We all know and probably through my podcast, hopefully you're listening to 
all the different podcasts. Um, they're coming at you about once a week now. Um, I've talked about practicing many different ways, patterning things, turning a practice into pattern, turning that pattern into your belief system, making sure that you're positively impacting people. So you just want to model these behaviors. So you want to do this regularly, and you want to model the behaviors you want other people to see in you. That's your character. I talk about character a lot. It's not just an anime. It's not just a character in your favorite sci-fi novel, but it's you. It's you. It's you is the most important thing. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast because you want to improve things about yourself. Nobody is perfect. If you think you are perfect, then you need more of this podcast and you need more podcasts like this. I'll start talking about the podcasts I like probably in the next couple of weeks. All right, you stop, you think, you reply, you do better, you learn more, you practice. Now, folks, the last step for the seven ways to reduce these implicit biases are you got to find your allies. And I know that this, a lot of people might do this early. Unconsciously, you're kind of finding your allies because, allies because these are the people you run with. These are the people in your family, the people in your neighborhood, the people who are like you. But it's not just people like you. It's people who understand you. So look for people who promote equity. They can be of any different race or ethnicity. They can be of any different gender identity. They can be of any different demographic across age groups, multi-generational included. So we got to look for these people who promote this equity and we can help each other support our goals and our mission. And our mission is to get away from 1960s. We're, we're, I don't know, 60 years out from that now. And we all know that the Civil Rights Act 1964 was an act, but there had to be action behind that act. And the action comes with our own behavior. And we can think, well, maybe that's somebody else's behavior. Maybe that's somebody else's office. Hey, that's the officer of equity. Let me just put that in place and therefore not worry about it. No, no, no. What that officer should be doing, the diversity officer, you might have one of those at your school, organization, or work. Those are the folks that need to be making sure that everybody is conducting this behavior individually. And then if individually that it becomes more of a norm, it becomes something that's collective. And in America, we don't love the term collective because we say what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. But there is something that we do have, and that is we the people. Not taken in terms of me the people, but we the people is equity. That is equity in writing and equity in practice. We the people means collective. And that's the one thing that is not borrowed from Eastern societies. And hemispheres are not going to make that any different. Say, for example, Western versus Eastern hemispheres. Let's just take, for example, something that is very, very popular in America today. I don't know any woman <coughs> or man, per se, who, who doesn't have a pair, not as many men, by the way, but who doesn't have a pair of yoga pants, okay? And that's for a purpose. You may have a different purpose for it, but yoga has become widely popular throughout the United States for the past 50 years. Increasingly widely popular. And that is something from the Eastern societies. And listen, think about that for a moment. That is something that has become part of our own collective, not only unconscious, but our collective daily lives. 
I know, for example, 95% of the people I know do yoga, including me. I'm not great at it, but you don't have to be great at it. It's part of our conversation now. Well, what if you did that with other things? Well, for example, I did some work in 2012, 2014, those two years, specifically in something called prof proflexion. Um, I co coined the term that followed that term, protoflexion, in a, an effort to bring meditative studies or contemplative studies to the schools. Well, that was an Eastern philosophy, but it was also a Western philosophy under, as you've heard me say before, a man named Dr. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, author of Flow, 1970. Um, I was born in the 70s. I was very into contemplative studies by about age nine. And then the 80s came and, you know, it was kind of underlying, but now we're here we are in the 2020s and we're very much thinking about flow, optimal performance, optimal living. We don't want to waste any time not living life to its fullest. Yeah, but that doesn't matter anything until you live life with flow. You can't live that experience without knowing a little bit about where that came from. And in conversation with Dr. Csikszentmihalyi at his home of all places and his center in, um, in Claremont, he's now passed, I think last year or the year before, um, without, <laughs> side note, without getting, um, I, I, I made the mistake, I, I should have asked him to write a foreword in the book that I helped write, that I edited, it came out in 2021, but he had passed by then. And so this is another side note again, Seize the day and do as you want, but do as you say, because that's the most important thing, is the follow-through. And I didn't follow through on that, and I regret that. Instead, I put in my foreword to my beautiful boys. They're the inspiration of my life. Short and simple, that made more sense to me. But anyhow, Csikszentmihalyi told me with no uncertain terms that he did not borrow, but he did research into the Eastern philosophy side of flow, the meditative contemplative side. And that's also something I think has been brought to the United States in full force, not just by the progressives, but what people are doing in all through their lives, in all different spectrums, and um, varieties of people have been using this, whether they know it or not. So there's that. We have meditation, we have flow, we have yoga. Well, why not implicit biasy checking? And it doesn't have to be Eastern society that does that either because they need their own implicit bias training towards maybe other cultures that may be from a different hemisphere. So what I'm getting at is there has to be a balance, a yin-yang in effect, something where we have to check ourselves, and that's where implicit bias training comes in. So those of you who have been listening, maybe you are a diversity officer, an implicit bias trainer, somebody who works in equity studies and wants to confirm that that's occurring in their organizations, or even just personal level at your own homes so that we're teaching our kids, um, you know, the, what to do in the world and how to be a part of this global atmosphere. Without any further ado, I would suggest if you've listened to this podcast, you can write me. Um, I take a lot of emails. I don't post it on my podcast, but here it is. It's um, ecepsyd at gmail. Again, that's ecepsyd at gmail. And I take a lot of sort of interests uh, in 
helping what people ask for. So if you do have certain future topics or if they have to do with particularly implicit biases research, microaggressions, um, microinvalidations, and any kind of focus on how we can better ourselves as not only a society, but in our personal sense, do email me. Let me know what you think. Let me know your thoughts. Um, I can share with you a lot of different training programs and resources. Uh, and that's really where we need to go. So 2023 and beyond, keep thinking about your own implicit biases. Re-listen to this podcast if you want to listen to those seven again. Um, I do take note, I just got done reading. I'm a member of the National Educators Association, so some of this was in NEA Today. It's not all just my idea, but a lot of this was really kind of researched as I do before a lot of my podcasts, so thank you to the NEA. Um, And for those of you listening who are teachers, educators, this is for you as well, and just keep up the good work. We're all in it together. So I hope you guys learned something today and hope you pass something on to your colleagues, your friends, and family. And neighbors, we got to think about our communities, everyone. Take care. Have a beautiful day, beautiful weekend. Um, I'm coming at you from New York City, and I'm hoping that this is feeling um, solid for you. So let's connect later on the next novel, Brain with Dr. E. Take care, everyone.